hey everybody welcome back to very venture rewatch i am one out of your three hosts my name is max and today i'm very excited to say that we are going to be discussing um season one episode two careers in science which is uh one of my all-time favorite episodes um written by doc hammer uh and if you're you know joining us for the first time we're going to be working our way through our favorite series uh the venture brothers episode by episode just discussing what we love about it uh the way the characters develop over time uh and all that good stuff um careers in science brings us out to space Space. Out, out to outer space. Um, can you do the? Sorry to interrupt, Aaron. Can you do the? Are the you Tim able Curry? to? Yeah. Space. I can't really. Do oh, this. Yeah. Space. I, I, I think I'll, if you're listening to this, you probably know what they're referencing. I don't know what it's from, so I can't say. It's one of those video, video VHS video game things. I don't. I don't think it is a VHS video game. I think it, it's like Command and Conquer or some shit, right? It's a cutscene but sure. it's a live action oh, cutscene with tim curry okay. yeah but anyway all right <laughs> going out to outer space to uh visit gargantua one which is a space station that uh rusty's father jonas built um and yeah it's just wonderful so i'm very excited to talk about it but i'm also going to come clean and say i forgot we were doing this today until about <laughs> an hour ago so i did not take any notes on this episode um but I know it very well. It's one of yeah. my favorites of the entire series. I feel like any episode we could come to and still talk about it, even without having heavily prepared. Oh, yeah. without. Yeah. So I think it's going to be fine. But it's it's also, it is helpful. But I yeah. just wanted to say, because I've had like like notes for like the last two episodes. Yeah. And this time I was like, oh, I got to be there in like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so... I'm Max, and uh, do you guys want to? Int- we should introduce ourselves just so people we know probably who's talking. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I am one of three co-hosts, and I'm joined by my two closest friends. My name is Aaron. My name is Connor. I'm two of three co-hosts. Uh, so wait, Aaron's three of three. Aaron, yeah, exactly. Okay. Is this a ranking system? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not a ranking. It's just uh, okay. I, I was I, I was wanted to say make I'm a fraction joke one. in it. Oh. oh I, Oh, I'm so sorry. Was it a number two joke? No, but it can be. Let's say that. Let's, Let's say I'm making yeah. a number two joke and move on. My name is Connor. <laughs> All right, cool. I'm glad I'm not either one or two then, because I don't want to be. Well, number three is diarrhea. No, I did third's not know the that. best, right? One is. One oh, no, third's the one with the hairy wait. chest. I'm number three. So wait a second. One is pee, two is poop, and three is the best? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Simply the best. I was thinking, like, you know, that grade school, like, one is so fun. Oh, no, 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 so I, no, I get it now. Yeah. Um, but I didn't before. This is what happens when you mix up pee-pee and poo-poo. It just, it makes a mess, and it, you get everything off the track. Just easier to remember. This is production code 1-02. We're watching the Venture Brothers. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This is episode P, season P, episode poop. Yeah. <laughs> And that's how I'll be referring to all the production codes from now on. As far as the podcast goes, it's episode the best. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Um, Clearly. So this is, if you're watching on Hulu, this is technically the third episode, because we've talked about this before, but for some reason, Hulu has Turtle Bay as the first episode. Yeah. Which is not the best place to start with this show. No. Which Um, is why you skipped right to this episode on your podcast player. (laughs) So... There was something in Aaron's intro that he wrote that I did forget to mention, which is that this episode in particular, um, it's not going to seem like it for a while, but this is genuinely one of the most important episodes of the series. There are a lot of things that are going to come back around that we won't really get into. Yeah, some things that we want to avoid talking about in case anybody is at least watching for the first time or at least... um, just not caught up, not right. finished with the yeah. the show. We're not gonna. We're not, we won't spoil anything, but uh, keep a watchful eye out, Venturus, because <laughs> there might be some stuff on the horizon. Maybe one or two things that yeah. are important later. That being said, I think on its own, the episode still is a very important moment in the series as far as establishing a lot of stuff about Rusty in particular. 
and Jonas too. Yes. Yeah. This is the really our first introduction to Jonas in any type of way. Right. In like the like the slideshow opening yes. that talks about um Gargantua One. It's Christopher McCullough, right? Doing that the welcome to your new career <laughs> in science. I, I guess that it's I it's it Jackson is. doing like most voices that you can't tell or doc just yeah. because you can always tell when doc is when it's doc. Right. Which is not a disservice whatsoever. It's no. just like you hear you can hear doc his voice is so unique it is it really is um but yeah no i forgot to look into all the credits for this one um but yeah i mean i would imagine that it is more than likely chris mccullough i believe it is i believe it's the closest we get to to raw mccullough to raw (laughs) jackson because he does a little bit of the like industrial voice Mm. um which is a great a great story device to introduce gargantua one and kind of like the impact that jonas had on the science community right oh without a doubt um because i think before this in the last two episodes they're really only kind of hints at jonas yeah like we know that he existed but we don't know that he is going to play such an important role and we don't really know anything at least not in detail about how he raised rusty which is oh yeah, a huge absolutely. fucking deal. So yeah, um, and like you were saying before, we do get glimpses. Of, this is the first time we get any glimpses of that. Because um, prior, there's but a flash of a newspaper. <laughs> it's the son of renowned scientist, and that's the only hint we get. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't remember if they do. They even mention Jonas in Dia de los Dangerous. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't think. I don't think they do. I don't know. But, but yeah, so. I thought it was interesting that we get that slideshow open, right? Mm-hmm. Um, introducing Gargantua One, kind of introducing us to Jonas and little old Rusty. Even uh, Rusty is lending a hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doing a great job. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's-, it's interesting how at the end of that, the tale of it is Jackson's voice saying, future, future, future. And that ringing in adult Rusty's head and him thinking about like kind of how he squandered his future oh. and how his future is pretty shit because yep. of his inadequacies. Absolutely. But that future thing repeated for so much longer than I expected it to and devolves into grades in such a strange way that it's like so scary and it fades out the moment Doc takes his diet pills. Oh. oh. So very like super succinctly and concisely within the very beginning of the episode we understand that doc is abusing this medication mm-hmm. quote unquote i don't know how he got it he <laughs> tried to bribe a doctor in tijuana i mean regardless even if it's prescribed if you you can still abuse a prescription yeah 100 yeah. percent. i forgot to look this up which i should have done because i even made a note of it but i wanted to look up the effects of diet pills outside of you know the reason that people usually take them and then also the effects of withdrawal from it so that's the thing is that diet pills is a euphemism it is yeah oh okay. it's like it's a benzo <laughs> okay okay because that's the thing i knew it was something but i never was sure what the euphemism was specifically for i'm pretty positive that it's some kind of benzo right. um but yeah diet pills diet pills is a euphemism it's, oh, the, okay. it's not the first place that i've heard it used in the venture brothers because then in the in the uh hallucination jonas tells him he doesn't need diet pills but is that jonas misunderstanding i don't know if it's jonas misunderstanding or or if just like the language that they use where it's like you know rusty calls them diet pills and then because it's in his this jonas is in his head right so Um, it's rusty telling rusty you don't need diet pills yeah basically pretty much I and guess. that's why he uses the same language because that's what he he's lying to himself saying like oh they're just they're just diet exactly pills. he doesn't want to admit yeah. that he has a problem but so it's actually it's really interesting I looked it up and it is uh, Chris McCullough who does the film strip narrator um, the cat the cast of characters in this episode is really small yeah so aside from that he he's only Hank on this episode oh okay, yeah because there's no monarch no, no no monarch at all. Um, and then, but yeah, so this is the first appearance of Jonas. And then also, um, Dean is reading Giant Boy Detective. Yes. So this is, this is our, um, 
this is our introduction to Giant Boy Detective as well, which we yeah. get a lot more of later yes. in detail. Um, but uh, well, some detail, but it's a nice nod to be like, all right, cool. And it establishes Dean as sort of the bookish of the two. Definitely. So even though he's, re- it sounds like, like Animorphs, like that level of reading kind of like a serial yeah, something or like a Nancy Drew mystery, like right. the Hardy Boys, you know? Yeah. Because it's, it's Dean is also it's like Giant Boy Detective is who Dean wants to be. Right. I just meant for like reading level. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. without a doubt. It's definitely like, you know, a young adult kind of right. like maybe even teenage book because the boys are quote unquote sixteen. I think even teenagers are probably giving Dean a little too much credit because it feels like Encyclopedia Brown level. Like Aaron yeah, is saying, it's like elementary true. middle school level, mm. which just goes back to their their regression. Or I don't even know if you can call it regression if they never like advance past <laughs> yeah. a certain age no, mentally. It's like it's not arrested development if your development never got to that point. Yeah. Right? You know? Um, and there's a lot of that in this episode with Rusty's toys too, which I'll get to my thoughts on that later when we get to that part of the episode. Mm-hmm. So we're also so there. Um, basically, there's a problem on the ship, right? There's a problem on Gargantual One. Yeah, Doc is called in to fix it by mm-hmm. Bud Manstrong and Lieutenant Anna Baldovich. You damn right. And we get the that's one of the first. The, so the first thing we see basically is that sequence of. Brock docking the ship. Yeah, good old yeah. Brock dock. After it's after um the boys are fighting. Oh, knock yeah. it off, wuss! Knock it off, wuss! Um, and, and then love- Doc says yeah. like uh he says something about Brock making Brock come back there, and Brock just like I'm cool. Yeah, I love that how Doc uses Brock as an excuse, and Brock makes it very clear like Nah. It's yeah, cool. my absolute one of my absolute favorite lines in the entire fucking series is like, "No, I started it years ago in a moment of passion. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'll yeah. end it the same way in front of Brock, Helper, and God." <laughs> uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the lines I meant to write down but didn't. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Yeah, um, and then. Dean vomits in a space helmet and helper (laughs) helper comes at him with the towel to try and clean off the helmet, even though it's inside. It's wonderful. This is, um, I just love helper so much. I do. Helper doesn't get enough credit. No. Jackson and Doc, like, don't give helper enough credit, like, themselves (laughs) in the commentaries. Um, So I'm calling them out on that. Yeah. He, He got did dirty in this episode in particular, too. Helper gets done dirty a lot. Yeah, I know. But he, <laughs> Helper is resilient as fuck. He's well built. You know what, though? And that's the thing, too. And we get more of this later. But, like, Helper is also, like, go team, like, risk life and limb for go team venture. Absolutely. On, like, a fucking, like, no hesitation, you know? And they talk about later how Helper does have, like, a personality. Yeah. And we even get that. So it's like weird to kind of maybe to some audience members to be like, oh, this robot like cares about this family so much. But like it's it's so abundantly clear and true. Like there are legit moments where I like I get misty eyed because of something that helper has done to like defend the family. Yeah. And I think it works both ways. I think there's a lot of affection from the venture family including brock toward helper oh without a doubt they i feel like they don't think of him as a robot really Mm-mm. even though he is and that might have something and to do with just them being so involved in the scientific community that that's just their thinking they think right. of robots as not necessarily the same as people but if we can just get, around it so much oh without a doubt and we can get more into it in when we talk about home insecurity but yeah. there's a lot there about why they might not necessarily think of helper as a robot right you know because rusty doesn't think about the repercussions of you know his actions in that episode yeah but um we'll talk about that next time uh but yeah brock docking the ship um this is the know, first is instance of him flirting with uh, Anna Baldovich, yeah. Lieutenant Baldovich. Mm-hmm. Horror music in the background. Yeah. <laughs> and I like how Brock leans into it. Like, oh, he yeah. knows it's a joke, right? So it's not even just like, oh, haha, this is funny how it sounds like, you know, what they're doing. But at the end, when he makes that orgasm sound like, that's just to kind of like needle <laughs> dock, right? Like, yeah. he's just. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And that's um, not the only time he does that in later episodes too, like making the same kind of joke about 
driving something phallic. <laughs> He's a very phallic forward character. Brock yeah. likes I'm to say it. He yeah. does. He's very phallic forward. We uh, we see him be phallic forward um, in this very episode. Well, we don't see this. I was implying. I was. Um, I was alluding to uh, a certain scene in the talented Mister Brisby. Right. <laughs> um, specifically a shot where he's like i gotta go take care of <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> um, but uh, first, god's arrow as they say yep first time i ever watched the that scene my mom was there too wonderful yeah nice. it was great <laughs> i saw super bad with my parents in the theater i saw zach and miri make a porno with my mom in the theater oh, oh, wow. and then on the ride home she talked about how big she thought jason muse's penis was oh my god Oh, and I was like, let's not fucking have this conversation, please. Oh, she didn't give you like a ballpark figure. Oh, she said something else afterwards. Oh, and I was I really don't even know if I want to repeat. it. Yeah, that's not for public consumption. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so we get to the we get to the ship. Bud Manstrong instantly thinks that Brock is Doc, which just again plays to Doc's insecurities and failings as a man. Mm hmm. Because he's just this, like, compared to Brock, he is this this tiny, yeah. tiny, inadequate person, a, right? A waif of a human being. Yeah. And Brock he, isn't even where He's the only one not bothering to wear a space suit the entire time. Oh, shit. I never even thought about <laughs> I that. I didn't wow. even think yeah. about that either. Not until he voluntarily goes out into space yeah. um, at the end of the episode. Yeah. And then Anna Baldovich takes off her helmet <laughs> and we get the I don't I I don't know how I feel about this joke. Like I'm not personally yeah. offended by it, right. but I don't know if it necessarily is one of the ones that holds up super well. Yeah. Cause we don't get to see her face, but the joke is that she's like apparently very like hideous. Right. Or like has some kind of like, I don't know, disfigurement maybe. That, there's like a fun little animation thing when she takes off her helmet for the first time where Hank's um, hair like frizzes up for a second. <laughs> it's so strange to see that. Yeah. That shot of Hank with like curly hair. I think they talk about it on, um, I've heard them talk about it on something, uh, but it's very strange. And that's the weird thing about it is because it is like, it is uncomfortable that it makes fun of, because we, we don't even know exactly what's making fun of if she's just like, very ugly or if there is a disfigurement so it totally feels like it doesn't feel great Mm -hmm. um but everyone's reaction is so over the top (laughs) like they can't no one is able to be polite they're like their instincts take over (laughs) and they just look at her with horror and she doesn't even seem to like notice the whole episode that people Mm -hmm. like gawking at her um so it's this weird absurd territory where like it's almost so absurd that it's it feels better but it is it is strange. Every time I watch this episode, I think about poor Lieutenant Baldovich yeah. and how people just uh, stare at her. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I actually really like her as a character because of how much she knows what she wants. Oh yeah, absolutely. She just yeah. like really tells Bud to fuck himself. And <laughs> truthfully, it, it, she really does. Like they gave this character a lot of agency. Yeah, where she like does the things that she wants to do, and she doesn't feel bad about doing it, you know. Which is, it's nice in the context of it being like sexual, in that she wants to fuck Brock, and so I guess spoiler alerts for a conversation we'll have in a few minutes uh, when we <laughs> yeah. get to that scene. But like you know, she wants to fuck Brock, and then she does. Yeah, she's not like oh, like now I'm ashamed of myself. She's like no, I I fucked that dude. Yeah, yeah. And she like I really like how it weaves back into the overall themes on toxic masculinity in this show about how Bud Manstrong and this this scene always makes me so wildly uncomfortable where he's talking about maybe sleeping with Lieutenant Baldovich and she goes off on him being like six years of hand holding (laughs) six years of love notes and locker and it cuts to him and he's just got like this grin on his face and he's doing the little like thing with his fingers <laughs> and i'm just like oh dude no this isn't cute this isn't romantic right like, you're just not thinking about someone's like needs but and so wants and desires that's the other thing too is that i think bud manstrong is bud manstrong is like rusty in that his development is so arrested yeah that he his it's like fifth or sixth grade level of like you know love notes in her locker or like you know holding hands or writing what is it she says i heart anna 
I heart Anna. <laughs> <laughs> but and Baldovich is just like, I want. I just want to fuck. Like yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ, dude. They're, we're the only people on the space station for years and years. And I think we find out later, not in this episode, but eventually that Bud is very beholden to his mother. So that probably has a lot to do with his um yeah his feelings towards women. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I, I think it's a this is skipping ahead a little bit, but while we're on the subject, I think it's a great funny distillation of like that toxic attitude of like a dude who just wants to court someone in a very childish way and gets upset when they like are with somebody else. Where he's yelling at her in the hallway and he's like, you already got it in the lap from <laughs> not me. <laughs> and it's that not me that like rings in my ears of like, mm-hmm. yeah, dude, <laughs> deal with it. Grow up. Yeah. <laughs> so there is the. They're on the. They were called uh, Bud Manstrong leads them all to the, I guess, the bridge or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Doc's like, so what's the problem? And he points to this. This basically like, I don't know, computer console thing. It looks like how. Yeah, it looks like well the it's the light on the console looks like sure how. yeah yeah um but there's there's this big red ominous light and underneath it just says problem and the light's <laughs> on and that's the only explanation Bud Manstrong gives he's like the light went on that's uh, <laughs> never happened before and he hands Rusty a, a plate that was presumably taken from the console that says if problem occurs contact Doctor Venture. Mm-hmm. And that's the only explanation we're given to what's going on, and Rusty, Rusty's on the case. And then the boys try to help him, and they're like, it's on, it's off. That's called blinking, boys. That's one of my favorite lines in the episode, I think. It's an example of how, like, the show has just infected my vernacular. Like, regular on is something I say yeah. a lot, and people are like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> just say on. <laughs> oh, but it's regular on. And I, I think it's also interesting how Bud Manstrong exudes such Boy Scout energy that even after Doc pisses himself, he's like, all right, let's get to work. <laughs> that is something that we should have mentioned. It happens early on in the episode, but right when they get off the, uh, they get off of their ship and onto Gargantua 1, Doc is talking about how he has to piss, right? They don't end up getting to the bathroom and then he, so he just goes in his suit, assuming that there is a waste collection pouch yeah. built into his spacesuit. There is not. <laughs> so the, for the rest of the episode, Doc is complaining about how uncomfortable he is because his spacesuit is full of piss. Yeah. As he calls it, my salty leavings. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to mention that. Oh, like, it got into my gloves. <laughs> <laughs> I think salty leavings is this oh it still smells of my salty leavings is the most classy way to say something smells like piss <laughs> yeah and it's he, also it's gr- it grosses me out it's so gross. oh of course yeah because it's just like the fact that it got in his gloves and like the sound effect of him moving <laughs> oh, the entire man. episode it's like squishy oh my god yeah when i was in film school we did a couple of shoots at this location in the city uh Cortland alley it's like a pretty regularly used location that film shoots use and i called it piss alley every time we were there because it just fucking reeked of piss <laughs> Like no thing, like no public restroom I've ever been in. Um, I figured out why uh, when you know, I saw a dude take a piss on the wall as he was walking <laughs> through the alley. Occam's razor. Yeah, you know, it was like, it's absolutely. Um, but it, I think it would have been really gross if it were called the Alley of Salty Leavings instead. <laughs> yeah. Kind of sounds like the Bog of Eternal Stench. Oh, yeah. Oh. 100%. <laughs> And I think it's Bun Manstrong even mentions because Doc pisses himself right as soon as they're introduced to the problem light. Yeah. But Bud even says as soon as they got off, like, oh, if you guys need to go, I can't remember how he phrases it, but he, he very uh kindly says, If you if you guys need to piss, like let's let's go piss. And Doc's mm-hmm. like, Ah, it's okay. There's <laughs> a collection pouch, I'm sure. And I love the the visual gag of seeing the the pee stain forming on his spacesuit. <laughs> yeah. Like they just cut to a wider shot and it's it's a like, fucking massive piss stain yeah and it's all like oh man, doc is not hydrating clearly <laughs> and he's just standing oh. there proudly as if nothing is wrong yeah. <laughs> oh that reminds me of that one joke in hubie halloween which one i'm pissing right now 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Watch Hubie Halloween. It's. I know you're saying that to the listener, but you were looking straight at me when you said it, <laughs> uh-huh. and I was like, "I already did, bro." Well, but you've I'm only, gonna again. Yeah, good. Yeah, I've seen it four times. Have you watched it, Aaron? I uh, canceled my Netflix. Ah, uh, you're gonna have to borrow one of ours. So yeah, you can yeah watch I was Hubie gonna Halloween. ask. I was only gonna renew it for season four of Glow, but now that's irrelevant. So yeah, oh, yeah. rest in peace, Glow. Hopefully, they get the movie. I'm not yeah. cutting any of this out. <laughs> <No>. Yeah, <laughs> good. You might be able to put together what I mean, you're not going to be able to put it together, but there are things that we're clearly trying to figure out how to talk about in a um, a more delicate way. Right. But so it's just like it's like a, it's just a ghost story that Bud Manstrong tells the boys when mm-hmm. they get on the ship. Yeah. Um, He's the boys say Phantom Spaceman, right? Yes. He doesn't. No, yeah. That, he tells the story them. and then they both go, Phantom Spaceman. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, so I, I didn't even know how really to address this because mm-hmm. we were clearly shining a light on the significance of this moment. Yeah. And I was like, I meant to talk to y'all about that before because I was like debating whether or not we even should. Mm-hmm. But there's no way you can gleam the significance of it without knowing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. prior, it's just because we know what the significance is. Well, yeah. It feels more obvious to us because of how much we know. But yeah. I think also just um the fact that it's called movie night is so fucking cute. <laughs> like they didn't they're just <laughs> that's no. one of my favorite jokes about the whole thing so when bud is explaining it he's uh he's telling this ghost story mm-hmm. but he's talking about this this dude and he says he gathered them in the bay for what he called movie night yeah like movie night is some kind <laughs> Sharky's of machine thing and it cuts to the boys and they both have this mm-hmm. look of horror on their faces at the reveal of that it was movie night. Mm-hmm. We're just a normal fun activity for people to do. <laughs> and I love that like the way it's told that that's the scary part of the story mm-hmm. is that there was movie night. And under the flickering light of Burt Reynolds' Sharky's machine, Sharky's he machine. opened the bay doors. Sharky's machine. <laughs> I love how he repeats Sharky's machine. Me too. As if that's gonna drive home like the horror of it. Yeah. Is it yeah. a bad movie? I've never seen it. No, I I haven't seen it either. I don't actually know if I've seen anything that Burt Reynolds has directed. I own Sharky's Machine on VHS, mm-hmm. so we can watch it if we want. On does it tape. have the same uh red label on it that it does in a later episode? No, I don't think it does. Okay. It's got like this. It's a really, it's a really ugly clamshell case uh, okay. where it's just like it's just a portrait picture of Burt Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's mostly like black and green boxes, and it says Warner Brothers on it. There. So the Sharky's Machine, the song from Sharky's Machine, uh, "Street Life," which is a great song um, by the Crusaders. Yes. <laughs> so. And this has nothing to do with anything, because now I'm just thinking about the theme song from Sharky's Machine. Right. But there is like when that song starts after she's like, I still hang around. It sounds like somebody accidentally hit two keys on the keyboard and like it shouldn't be there. So next time you're listening to the song, just listen to it. Yeah, because musically, yeah. it's, it's it very doesn't weird. doesn't make sense. It's very odd. Like, do you know like what I'm talking about? Yeah. And even just hearing like the little pieces of it that they put in the later episode, mm. it just it sounds musically very not. I don't know. It's, it's not natural sounding. It's very uh, unnerving, which I guess is good. Yeah, it works really well how they use it. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy because it just seems like a like a throwaway reference, right? Oh so yeah, it's crazy of that that works later in context. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love how. I thought about this on this rewatch. So Bud Manstrong knows this story because he was there because yeah. he was currently working as the paper boy He's... on Gargantua One. Mm-hmm. My question is, why the fuck is there a paper boy <laughs> on a space station? Mm-hmm. What? Like, <laughs> I love that you just accept it. Like, I don't think twice about it. No, but that's no, such not an at all. I didn't even think about it until now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole story is so strange. What did they ever talk about? Like, what was was Gargantua One supposed to be like science research facility, or was it like for civilians as well? I don't know. I think it was. I think it was science research because they only had one busy barber, 
And I feel like if it was for civilians, right. they would have more barbers. I thought about that, too. I was mm. like, I think it's very fun, the alliteration of one busy barber. Yeah. But I was like, oh, the fucking, this is why I hate capitalism. Because they should just hire more barbers. It's a whole goddamn space station. Poor Leonard. I assume his name is Leonard. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't They don't give the barber any kind of name. No. Literally mentioned once. Yeah, I, I think about Leonard a lot, and I feel bad. It must be a lonely life up there in Gargantua 1. I guess mm-hmm. it's something that we don't think about, like, you know, people's basic needs being fulfilled while they're up in space, you know, like a barber. I think they did it on, like, one episode of Next Generation or something, but, like, it's not really something that you think about. So it's There's just a fu- hair salon on the, I was going to say the, I don't, I, you know what? Enterprise. Yeah, I was gonna say the Enterprise, and then I was like, "Wait, is that that one or the other one? Is they are they still the Enterprise?" I don't know what I haven't been watching. Next generation. You are literally the person that I would go to for this answer, (laughs) and you don't have it. No, I thought you were talking about the new series that. Oh no, I don't. No, yeah, it's a different model of the Enterprise in Next Generation. I I, uh, can't give you the number though, which is actually disappointing. That's totally fine. (laughs) Can you imagine Maslow on Gargantua One? He'd be like, where's my hierarchy of needs? I thought you were talking about your nephew. Yeah, I'm not. But I I was like, oh, I've heard this name one other place before. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'd had that thought too. What is it? It's um, probably food. Food, shelter. Diapers. um, Diapers. Right? He's two. Two is still in diapers. Oh, you're t- you're talking, I'm talking about, about my your nephew's, nephew's hierarchy. Yes, yeah, particularly. Yes, exactly. yeah. uh, like berries, you know, gotta get some fruit okay. in there. Uh, sure. Oh, and what was what, yeah. <laughs> what was you said he lo- it's um did you oh. ever look at the children's version of Moby Dick that you said he is obsessed with? I didn't, but my my two year old nephew is really into Moby Dick right now because he gets read the kids' version and he can name all the characters of Moby Dick. So if you ask him, he'll be like, Queequeg, Starbuck. <laughs> and it's I think it's the raddest shit ever. Yeah. I tried to get him a Queequeg action figure for his second birthday, mm-hmm. but those don't exist. Uh, yeah. And I don't know why I'm not. I don't know why I'm surprised, <laughs> but Did I think there's an untapped market there. Any Moby Dick toys? I found a Herman Melville, like, hand-stitched action figure on Etsy. <laughs> and I was like, this is too expensive for something that's going to get ripped apart. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely like a age five plus sort of toy. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Just give him a few years. If he still likes Moby Dick, then. I, I when I was six, I was like, Ugh, Melville's passe. You know what? <laughs> get him. Get him the Criterion Blu-ray of uh, Boutravai because that is based on a short story by Herman Melville. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah, man. Fuck. Yeah. Yo, or, like, Claire Denis based. heads in the house. What? Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to cartoons. <laughs> now, yeah. Now I'm okay. We could, I could talk about boat trivia forever, but also we should we should circle back. I I got very uh particular with the with the Hal thing in describing the box that the Hal light is in, but we should mention that that reference more because I feel like I kind of cut that off. I the thought that problem is Hal nine thousand Howell Howell as in like moving castle. Ginsburg. Well, no, <laughs> the Earwolf Network that no longer exists. We got three different references on the table, boys. <laughs> Hell yeah, pick one, whichever one you like the most. Yeah, it's the Miyazaki, like for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think so. well, I've only I don't seen know. that one once. I didn't... yeah, I haven't seen it. I don't know. The only one I've seen in full is Princess Mononoke. Uh, Spirited Away really is good. Hollow mm-hmm. Castle pretty good too. It's got Christian Bale in it, and he doesn't <laughs> do the Batman voice, and that's always a plus. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> My moving castle, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) Where's my castle? Where is it? Where is it? It's always moving. Where is it? (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, my God. Reset. I feel like I've never, I don't need to see that movie now. You don't. I mean, no, you do. If you cut that out, I'm going to be so upset. I'm not. I can't. I'm crying. (laughs) Um, Where were we? I don't know. I mean, this episode is this episode is so much cross cutting that it's kind of hard to be like structurally like it's this because you can talk about like 
Doc working on the problem light and the boys like hunting down phantom spaceman. <laughs> uh, Brock fucking Lieutenant Baldovich. Yeah, there's a lot of different and then, um, ABC yeah. plot going on. Brock uh, surviving being shot into space. So yeah. do they, what happens there? So who hits the button that makes that happen? It's. I thought about this this time because I always forget because mm-hmm. because of the cross cutting. I'm like, wait, how did this happen? Yeah. Was he sabotaged? It's because Doc is like isn't critically thinking and he's just pressing random shit to see if it'll fix the problem <laughs> right so he opens the bay doors as while brock is in the hangar yeah um no spacesuit and um he he holds he's holding on to something that is tethered to the ship yeah and while the vacuum is of space is trying to fucking pull brock samson out into like the massive abyss of nothing (laughs) he literally just pulls himself back onto the fucking ship not only that but he grabs the cigarette that fell out of his mouth (laughs) and puts it in his mouth and continues smoking it in the vacuum i always forget that the cigarette flies out of his mouth and he like grips it between his teeth. <laughs> and we talked about how Helper gets uh gets put through the ringer in this episode specifically. This is when that starts, where Helper is also launched into space, yeah. but is not able to grab onto anything. <laughs> He's just sent into space. Yep. <laughs> then he like tries to communicate with Earth and calls that woman's cell phone. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I meant to look up who plays that woman because oh. she gives one of the best performances in the Venture Brothers. It is the same actress that plays Lieutenant Baldovich in this episode. Um, her name is Nina Hellman. Nina Hellman. Yeah, I thought she was great at like picking up her cell phone yeah. and it's just help her scream. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Nina Hellman actually looks like she has a part in Wet Hot American Summer. Hmm. Um and I'm going to look and see. I I mean, she has parts and role models in Wanderlust, too. So I guess she just is David Wayne's friend. Oh, and Wayne Days. But yeah, no, she is. Um. Oh, so she's Dr. Quim and oh, also uh, Jolly Rancher 82 and um, Colette, you know, you remember. I don't remember Colette. I remember Jolly Rancher 82. Colette is a. Uh, did you bring your bikini? <laughs> one for me and one for Colette. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so she's not Colette, but she's the other one yeah. who yeah. is not. Um, but yeah, so she's actually between 2004 and 2008, which is what, two seasons or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's done, or no, because uh, Dr. Quim is- uh, Season three. Season three, yeah. Oh, and she's also um, Triana's friend, Kim. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. But yeah, so uh that's uh Nina Hellman who I guess has done a lot of voices on Venture Bros before, but this was her first appearance. So Brock Brock survives <laughs> being launched into space. And when he gets out, uh Lieutenant Baldovich says that he should be dead. Mm-hmm. And I love how he just like basically hawks out a little blood from his nose yeah. and then just says like I need to lie down. <laughs> I'll go lie down for a sec. <laughs> and then later on, he's like, I hacked up some pink thing about the size of one of those little kiwi fruits, but I don't feel anything missing. <laughs> I, I probably think about that scene too much mm-hmm. whenever I'm like sick. Yeah. Where I'm like, I mean, because it's like the inverse of looking up something on WebMD and like diagnosing yourself with a terminal illness. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, I mean, Brock seemed okay, so, which is, that's not a basis to live your life by. Whenever I watch that scene, I can't help but think, what the fuck was it? What did he lose? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to know what what it was. It's not important, obviously. Now I can't stop thinking about it, though. Maybe just I a th- little bit of tissue in his esophagus or, or something. Or some lung, because he's a smoker. Oh, yeah. yeah. So maybe it was some sort of lung mass. Ooh. Maybe, but would it have been pink? If it was covered in blood. Ooh, yeah. Aaron works at a hospital, so. <laughs> this is why you turned into the podcast for us to speculate on what Brock Hawk dubbed. You're welcome, mm-hmm. America Hell and yeah. international audiences. Brock Hawk, Brock Doc. A lot of rhyming in this episode. Yeah. We had Hell Brock yeah. Butt Brock last docking. episode. Yeah. Butt. yeah. No, um, no monarch in this one, so no, no meter to. to uh... I don't get to do my thing. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh well, is I think if I I don't want to do it in every single episode that the monarch's in unless well no but if there's a good meta if there's like a good monologue 
It's like it's like a candy bar. It's a special treat. You don't want to have it all the time, yeah, but no, every once in a while. It's like we can't do uh, the who plays Professor Richard impossible bit in every episode because he's not in every episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had to. We can do it. I mean, we could. I had to have a meeting with myself one on one where I sat myself down and I said, hey, Connor, listen, don't do the Professor Impossible segment this episode because <laughs> it's not going to be funny and it's just going to be a waste of time. <laughs> like explaining this is. But that's okay. I feel yeah. like establishing it now sets it up for when we get more Professor Impossible. And True. the fact that every fucking time he shows up, he's pretty much voiced by somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we want to get into the pivotal scene of Rusty's hallucination of his father? Kind of delve into that and yeah, yeah. I mean, unpack with, that yeah, a little bit. We can definitely talk about that because that's really the first time, even though so Rusty... And Rusty accidentally turns on the anti-gravity. Yeah, and then when he falls and hits the console, and his, it's so fucking good. <laughs> he falls and hits the console, and his don't does he drop some diet pills, or the diet pills are floating around and they he's fall trying, to the ground yeah. too? Because okay. he was trying to take one when he accidentally hit the anti-gravity, and then he's trying to grab him in the air. Right. Yeah, so he hits his head, and um, a giant uh, ghost of his father. Uh, Jonas Fencher Sr. Sr. You'll find out why later on. Um, But yeah, uh, his father, Jonas, appears to him um, in like a few different outfits. And like at first is like it's like he's like on a jungle adventure and is like calling to Rusty to like, you know, like join him on this adventure or something. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a weird introduction to Jonas, but also establishes that type of character that he is like the super scientist who is like just also like an adventurer basically and i mean rusty has a lot of traumatic memories on all of these adventures so Mm. he's like cycling through all of that Mm -hmm. yeah and it really feels like every time we cut back to jonas and he's in a different outfit and he's referencing a different like unseen adventure uh, it really feels like flipping through episodes of the the Rusty Venture show. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. And that was the majority of Doc's only real relationship with his father was as, like, boy adventurer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the home life, uh, Jonas was much more of an absentee dad, so all his memories are just of the, of the trauma he experienced in those adventures and Jonas playing the role of, like, adventure dad and not, like, actual father. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I, I wrote down because we see him and he's this like, like you said, a gigantic version of Jonas. Mm-hmm. He's just towering over Rusty. He must be like 12 dang feet tall. Yeah, I wrote sure. down, that's a tall daddy. That's a tall daddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably how he remembers his father as a child mm-hmm. being that much taller than him. Yeah. Like when you, when you're little, everything seems big and then you go back to like an elementary school and you feel like you're inside of a miniature. Oh, yeah. It's and so then, fucking weird. And I mean, also, there's the symbolism of him towering over him in that regard, like mm-hmm. just, you know, literally oh, casting yeah. a shadow I mean, that's, over him. That whole thing is yeah. Rusty is live constantly living and in the shadow of his father's greatness. Since um, Jonas in this hallucination says that it's Rusty's fault that the problem light is on it it means that Rusty knows that it's his fault which we find out in a way it actually kind of is yeah because absolutely. his one of his toys that we see him playing with at the beginning of the episode in that like film thingy um it melted into the inside of the console <laughs> mm-hmm. which i thought um it's Chekhov's cowboy <laughs> and i think the fact that it's a toy like leaving that behind on gargantua 1 is maybe like a an allegory for how he is stuck in his childhood. Oh yeah. That a childhood item is what's causing the problem. And then once he wakes up from that hallucination and takes responsibility for it, that's when the light turns off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it really is all like, it's perfect symbolism, right? Because like Rust even points out who has a 10 year old built a space station. Yeah. Like he should have just been playing with his toys. Mm -hmm. That is the childhood that was robbed of him. And he wasn't able to like move past that. Um, and I love how the hallucination Jonas even points out that Rusty thinks it's his fault mm-hmm. because he's like, well, if I'm a projection of your, you know, subconsciousness, right. then you're saying you you caused the problem. Exactly. Because uh, what Rusty says, you're a projection of me hitting my ego. 
Yeah. And then he's like, all right, crazy. Well, then by your logic, you're the one who thinks you broke the space station. Yeah. And I think it, it's definitely just like Rusty has a tendency to blame himself because of his self-esteem issues. Not that he oh, deep yeah. down actually knows the cause of the problem. Mm-hmm. So especially uh, regarding things that involved his father. Yeah. You know, like he necess- wouldn't necessarily blame himself for like the actions of Gardo in uh, Home Insecurity, yeah. right? But that's because he built it. But yeah. if it's something that Jonas built that's not working, then that's really where his like internal struggle of mm-hmm. like, I this is my fault yeah. comes from. That's like classic emotionally manipulative and abusive parents. Of, oh, yeah. Then when you grow up, you just think that everything that happens is your fault. Oh, I mean, and later, you know, this is like way later on, but we find out that Rusty's childhood therapist was his father. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like just there's so much that goes into like we really the show helps you empathize with Rusty so much, even early on, because it's just like, oh, man, this guy's dad really fucking sucked. Yeah. And I mean, it, I think it also has so much to do with the the charm with which James Urbaniak oh, my God. does him. It's is, just. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Don't get me started on how much I love James Urbaniak and his uh, performance as Dr. Venture. I think it's one of like, not even just like the all time great voice acting performances, just one of my favorite performances in general. The fact that fucking James Urbaniak still has to go out and audition for like bit parts is insane to me. Yeah, he should be getting phone calls. Wild. James Urbaniak, if you ever hear this, which I doubt you will. If you I you liked one of my tweets once. Hit me up. So, man, <laughs> we're already buddies. Yeah. <laughs> Connor and I make movies and we got you. That's the thing. I was gonna say in in our books, James Urbaniak is offer only. In the Max and Connor world, yeah. offer only. But then like we can't afford to pay him scale. So <laughs> there's also that. Yeah. We have no money, but someday we might. Yeah. And if we do, James Urbaniak, we would happily pay you to star in. We're not on a, some sort of power trip where we're like, come and read for us, James. <laughs> hey, Jim. Yeah. Get, you'll be paid in exposure. Get yeah. the cartoon guy. <laughs> the, the, the Hal Hartley janitor man. Get me poetry boy. Yeah. Get me I want... Julie Klausner's boyfriend from Difficult People. <laughs> Y'all gotta watch Difficult People. It's very uh, funny. I so just good. remembered that he is Graham, uh, the producer on Review. Oh, yeah. Which is a fucking evil, evil character in performance. Like, he's like, it's so, and it's like we- very subtly evil. Aaron, have you ever watched any Review? No. Welcome back to the Review Review. <laughs> it is one of the most special things that um, I think Comedy Central has done in a very long time hmm. since they decided that they were going to start showing South Park. <laughs> like i don't even know um what show are we oh. what what show is this podcast <laughs> about again it's about i don't know but i want to circle back to something you said aaron about how when you go back to your elementary school and everything feels so much smaller yeah they even reference that where the jonas hallucination says i thought i built a bigger spaceship <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> So I think we've done, I think we've, we can circle back to it. Uh, I think we did our due diligence on the rusty hallucination scene. So mm-hmm. should we get into the boys adventure now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, and this goes back to part of the, part of the reason why, because I think when they reference the movie night story and Sharky's machine later in the series, I didn't really like, it didn't connect for me. Max, you had to point it out to me that mm. that's what. It was a callback to, mm-hmm. and I think it's because pretty much anything Bud Manstrong says goes in one ear and out the other, not because it's not funny or good. And he even repeats, like we said earlier, Sharky's machine. Uh-huh. So it's funny that I forgot that movie specifically because he uh, really like hammers at home. <laughs> and I think the reason I always forget it is because of how much fandom spaceman lives in my head rent free <laughs> yeah and mm. how much they the boys just keep saying fandom spaceman over and over again in the episode i mm-hmm. hate fandom spaceman <laughs> yeah and that, that line spaceman's a big fat jerk <laughs> they're like they're 16 ish right let's just say <laughs> yeah. and they're still saying things like big fat jerk mm-hmm. 
to a person they presume killed their dad. Yeah, they find uh, they find Rusty's body after he hits his head, turning off the anti gravity and falling to the ground, and they they just assume that he's dead. Yeah, because... which is another part of how naive the boys are is that he's unconscious on the ground. He's dead. And doesn't one of them suggest like checking? But then they're like, "Ew, I don't want to touch him." They I know, both wait, think no, it's gross. Um, is is it that, or is that when they find Colonel Gentleman dead? No, it's no, when I they think... um find Rusty. Okay, uh, I think Dean is like, "Oh, you you should check." And neither of them wants to like check his pulse, and they both think it's gross. Mm-hmm. So Hank kicks his shoulder, and because <laughs> that doesn't do anything, they assume he's dead. Mm-hmm. I is it gross to them just because he's supposedly dead or is it because he's soaked in piss i feel like it's got to be the piss thing because they're wearing spacesuit gloves like they don't have to actually physically touch him i don't know i still feel i feel like the boys would be grossed out by having to touch a dead bot yeah Yeah, despite everything they've been through they're still without a doubt innocent about that sort of thing but then we also need to consider which is something that we will learn later the boys don't remember a lot of the things that they have been through and experienced in their lives um and also now that i think about that we were talking about it in mutually exclusive terms right is it because they think the body's dead or because it's covered in piss but it could be because it's a dead body that's also covered in piss. <laughs> I got to tell you, if I found a dead body that was also covered in piss, I would be that much more disturbed by it. Yeah. Because I'd want to know why. And I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think anyone would judge you for feeling that way. Thank you. Yeah, I it wouldn't be a pleasant. That. I think that kind of happens when you die, though, sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, your You're the one relax. who works at a hospital. Yeah, you pee. When you die? <laughs> Not like immediately. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> sometimes yeah, okay. muscles relax. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Sometimes there just comes out. Once the body is already dead and everything mm-hmm. is relaxing, there'll be one last breath from their lungs, which is awesome when you're trying to like put a body in a body bag. Oh, boy. And it just goes. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Is that the Wait, death rattle? So you've experienced. No, that I have seen, though. Oh. That comes before. Nice. Yeah. That I mean, not really, but like. It does make me sound like a badass, even though it. I mean, sure, yeah. haunts me to this day. Well, yeah, it's not like you're like, man, it was so cool. It was just like I love an watching people die. Have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> me too. Welcome to a very venturey watch. <laughs> it's uh, we go, we watch our favorite show to try to cheer you up in these dark times. Yeah, and then we talk about dead bodies because we're haunted we're all haunted inside by something or other yeah and sometimes you got to get it out through humor and podcasts mm-hmm. like, yeah. this is how it is absolutely <laughs> but um so that the boys adventure is pretty much they find doc's unconscious body uh but until that point they're like trying to help him and then basically he's like get the fuck away from me yeah, and yeah. they just go wandering around the whole episode is them finding different people who they think are Phantom Spaceman. Yeah. Like when Brock comes back at first, they assume he's Phantom Spaceman. And then later they come across Brock uh, making sweet love to Lieutenant Ball. Or I don't know. We <laughs> can, I guess we could say fucking. They I'd say met. fucking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like... Uh... Cause and so we don't we don't witness this. We see like bits and pieces through like a window. The boys are watching through a small window. Um, and the boys don't. They, I presume they, don't, they don't know what sex they have. Is. No idea what's going on. I, I don't know if they yeah. don't know what sex is. I think Hank realizes it toward the end of that scene. But when they first see it, they just assume that they're like fighting. And even when he's like, he's like, why is he using that? Is <laughs> he needs his arms free? <laughs> Yeah, because they point out that like he's using both of his hands. What right. what else does he have left? Mm, and I like how true. they do a play by play. And when Lieutenant Baldovich gets on top, they're like, "Oh no, spaceman <laughs> got on top!" Uh, and um, Brock does ask Lieutenant Baldovich to keep her helmet on. Yeah, yeah. I thought about that. I was like, you know, it's in a sense it's fucked up, mm-hmm. but he's also just like calmly and confidently communicating yeah like yeah. what you know it's and very, yeah it falls off and he doesn't stop so True. clearly it doesn't bother him that much yeah, <laughs> yeah. but then that's when the boys also realize that it's lieutenant baldovich and then i think that's when hank realizes yeah. what's going on yeah oh yeah that's the thing i think it's definitely open to interpretation mm-hmm. um the way i think about it because they both have like a look right on their faces <laughs> of them uh 
concentrating and like they're both having a thought Mm -hmm. and the way i read it is that they're so naive and so obsessed with phantom spaceman that their brain isn't even making it to the station like if they thought about it more they'd be like oh that's what was happening Mm -hmm. but i it feels like they instantly shift to like so where's phantom spaceman yeah it has (laughs) to do with that mm -hmm. because that's what our current adventure is that's definitely where dean is at but i feel like i think doesn't hank like glance over at the like kind of side eye the window again with a little little smirk on his face yeah yeah and you can hear while they're both like just uh contemplating i love how you can hear brock's sex noises always make me (laughs) giggle every time his fucking screaming Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's great oh man patrick warburton is just really incredible yeah i love that like over the course of the series they make brock less of like the quiet kill guy and give him like a lot more to say yeah but even just moments like that, Patrick Warburton, <laughs> his performance is so wonderful. The thing I, I, I it bums me out the most, even though like I get why they cut it, but there was going to be a whole like tiny subplot where Brock was really into Pocky. <laughs> and so if there was a place like if they're in the city and Dean was going out, he would uh, he was going to say, hey, Dean, uh, could you pick me up some Pocky. <laughs> Just, that's adorable uh, right is I that like it. official lore that they just didn't include or is it s- okay yeah they mentioned on the commentary how they were <laughs> they were gonna include a thing but it just didn't fit anywhere yeah and it was just like there's nothing beyond just brock likes pocky <laughs> maybe Brocky likes pocky maybe it was like a him trying to quit smoking thing oh yeah Ooh, like mm-hmm. the same shape replacing the ritual and getting then, a new oral fixation and then he just liked pocky and also smokes <laughs> he does he does try to vape at one point yeah but for like one episode <laughs> and then the rest of the episode happens. yeah i mean yeah. that's kind of at that what brock and bud manstrong have to go out of the ship to fix something oh, yeah, and yeah. Then right. bud manstrong like he's trying to tell brock that it's okay that he fucked anna but that he hopes that he'll make an honest woman out of her. Yeah. It's just more of Bud Manstrong being like his childlike white knight yeah, sensibilities. It, it, mm-hmm. And he puts his hand on Brock's shoulder, which is not something that you ever do. Because uh, then Brock gets the um, crazy kill look on his face. Yeah. Uh, and then beats the shit out of Bud Manstrong in outer space. And I think that's funny, too, like that Bud Manstrong has such this like twisted sense of relationships that when that is challenged, he's like he sets this plan in motion of it seems like he's going to murder Brock in space. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, oh, I'll go out with Brock. It can be dangerous. And he's yeah. got that deranged look on his face. And I like how even with that plan. Brock still is like just a shoulder on a hand on the shoulder. Brock's like, oh, I'm just going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah. <laughs> and he wholly deserves it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's what we all wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how um the I love the references they sprinkle in the show, because when Bud Manstrong is giving that weird speech as if Brock is like a suitor and now has <laughs> to make an honest woman of Lieutenant Baldovich, mm-hmm. uh, he says uh, you'll be quite comfortable. Her father invented the Mr. Mouth game. So she's an heiress. <laughs> I, yeah, I love when they include references to like 70s board games and things like that. Yeah. You know, they talk about the speak and spell a lot, which is something I had in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. My one, you, you know how like people have like touchstones for getting into impressions? Yeah. My touchstone for Sean Connery is from the show. And it's when he's making lists of uh, the games he wish he had as a child. Yes, as is Colonel Gentleman, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Colonel Gentleman is making a list of uh, games he wish he had as a child. And he just says, Scooby-Doo mystery game. Micronauts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Bud Manstrong gets the shit kicked out of him, gets mm-hmm. left out there in space. Um, uh, problem light goes off. Yep. Rusty fixes the problem. And then... They all leave, and Anna Baldovich leaves uh, Bud Manstrong floating out in space um, until he apologizes. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the post credit sequence, we see Rusty's salty old spacesuit drip some pee on the control board. And then Sorry. the problem 
the light comes back on. Yeah. Yeah. Quick correction. That is Ooh. not the post credit. It's not tag. the post credit tag. No, oh. that's the that's it's the very end of the episode before the credits. Okay, right. Is the the piss dripping onto the console? I couldn't remember. Problem light comes back on and it's blinking, right? I think so. Yeah. I believe it's flashing, and I just love it's it's such a nerdy thing to talk about, but mm-hmm. the Gaussian blur on that light looks so good it's so so good <laughs> mm-hmm. and i think it's interesting because i'm not i'm gonna kind of tiptoe around this a little bit yeah yeah but it it is kind of like um i don't know like a tease sure like oh there's another problem mm-hmm. and every time that episode ended when i would rewatch it in previous years it felt like something that may be addressed later like it may come back right mm-hmm. but it also kind of leaves my mind after I watch a few episodes. Yeah. Like, sure. oh yeah, they end it that way. And for the longest time, it never felt like, oh man, they never like, they never addressed them fixing it again. Well, like, they never went back to fix it. Yeah. Um, But it's just like, oh, it's just the way it is. Well. But then it wasn't. <laughs> well, I always, for a long time, just assumed that that's what led to the events of Guess Who's Coming to State Dinner. Mm. oh yeah true when i first watched it i mean i've said this in previous episodes like i didn't expect it to be as Mm -hmm. um like serialized yeah i didn't expect there to be as much continuity so i just thought that that was like a fun gag like oh lights back on yeah and then it ends up being you know very important later on and i think there's a lot of moments in the show that come back i just assumed that it wasn't going to be oh yeah made with such care Mm -hmm. at that point i liked it but it wasn't like i had no idea yet you didn't realize like the amount of passion that doc and jackson put into it yeah yeah Yeah. none of us were going on like message boards being like they never addressed that (laughs) like you were saying a fun gag at the end of the episode sure sure. broken again because of his piss (laughs) doc fixed it and then he fucked it up again The post-credits, which I did want to talk about, is... Is that helper? Yeah. All the post-credits is, is it's a shot of the Ventra compound, and then it's helper re-entering the atmosphere (laughs) and just luckily crashing it, like, right on the front step. (laughs) Just to explain that, here's how he got back home. Mm -hmm. And I thought about it. I think it is the most minimal Venture Brothers tag ever. It's just oh, one thing yeah. happening. Mm. Yeah. Not much of a joke. No. It is funny, but it's really just like, and here's how Helper got back. Sure. And I feel like a lot of the post credits uh, scenes are often really important to the rest of the episode. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't watch that, you're not going to get a it, big point. It ties yeah. a lot of things together. Yeah. Um, and then un- this one is just sort of like, <laughs> well, that's a kind of, that's also kind of how I feel about the end of. Um, the post credit scene in uh, the season two premiere, because uh, all that scene is, is Monarch finding Doc's arm, right? And, oh, yeah. And being yeah. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but even that, that, I, that feels like even more of like, that's an answer that you want throughout the episode. That's is where point, is yeah. Doc's arm because they tease it. <laughs> yeah. And I love the helper thing because it is, they did not need to include that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought like, how did Helper get back? Yeah. But they want to they want to show you because they care about you. They want you to know he's okay. He made it back safely, kind yeah. of. And he's not expendable. Like, they're not just going to get a new Helper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still want to know how Bruce Wayne got back to Gotham City from a hole in the ground in the fucking Middle East. Yeah. I think there are certain plot holes that it's like, <laughs> whatever, just accept it. That one seems like they were missing part they they needed to explain that <laughs> How many, it's like what six or seven years ago that i saw that fucking movie yeah more than that maybe eight years ago and i'm i didn't i'm still mad about that fucking this part. is but i also think about it so little that it doesn't really <laughs> weigh on my mind terribly right he said lyingly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I, i'm gonna i'm i'm only gonna say one thing because People have already turned off the podcast now yeah, that yeah. we're griping about the Dark Knight Rises. Uh-huh. But he not only does he come back to Gotham, but Catwoman like knows where to find him. Like, how the <laughs> fuck do they meet that. up? There's like it's a tale of two cities, Gotham, uh, and they just happen to cross each other months later mm, after how yeah. do you get a flight? It, they I never exchange information. 
So I don't know how they knew how to get in touch. What a dumb movie. That would be great. Like, that would be even worse. But I would appreciate it if there was a scene where, like, Batman gave Catwoman his card. Yeah. Catwoman gave Batman his card. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm sorry, I need to print a new one. This isn't my f- correct phone number, but I'll write it on the back. Here's <laughs> she, my like, new cell. hands him a phone and, like, makes him put his number in <laughs> to her yeah. contacts. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Is that I, it? Yeah. <laughs> I think we're done okay. this uh, time. Yeah. Next time we'll be talking about home, home insecurity. Home insecurity, yeah. Can't wait for that. Another great one. I'm sorry. This is the natural ending point of this episode, but I, I want to, before we go, hmm. can we talk about eyebrows? Who's? Uh, specifically Brock's, but I guess <laughs> okay. multiple people's eyebrows. <laughs> what color are Brock's eyebrows supposed to be? Because... There's a when you see him on the two way wrist communicator watch, uh, when he's in the when he's in the bay before the the bay doors are opened, mm-hmm. his eyebrows are blonde, oh, with yeah, really? like thin yeah they're blonde with thin black outlines. You could be like, oh, that's an animation error. Like mm-hmm. that happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, on this show in particular. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking about it and I was like, well, wait, if his if he's Swedish and his hair is blonde. Is it just an artistic choice to draw them in black just to make them more readable? Because mm. Hank also has black eyebrows. Hmm. But in that one shot, he has blonde eyebrows. But that would make sense since he has blonde hair. Yeah. So what color are Brock's brows? And with that, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.